Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's the report, old report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. The NFL season enters week three as we get a little bit of appeal behind the curtain of what some of these teams might look like in the short and long term. The MLB postseason is closer and closer as playoff races get hotter and hotter. College football has some answers, some questions. Heading into week four, where people are getting a better feel of their teams now as conference play is here. And nobody circles the wagons quite like the National Basketball Association. Doesn't sound as good as the NFL, which is where we could start. In the NFL, two games now under each team's belt. Some injury news to unfortunately have to deal with with some teams brutal. already, which happens. Brutal. Just brutal. Whether it's in-game, in practice, whenever there's a season-ending injury, it's obviously terrible, not only for those teams, but for the league, for fans. You want to watch the best players play, and unfortunately, that's not going to be the case for some teams, and it's certainly hurting and will hurt some teams a lot more than others. After two weeks, can you gauge anything, Al, from what you've seen as to whom some of the better teams are in the league whether that's who we thought they might be or what they've turned into in the first couple games. I know there's the old adage with the 0-2 record, you have a terrible percentage to making the postseason. And it gets even worse if you've had two consecutive years of 0-2 starts at then making the postseason again. So some teams statistically, it's not looking great, and we're just two games into the year out of 16 left. What have you seen so far that's shocked you, surprised you, or – made you raise your eyebrows a little bit well what, what i've seen is what i think we see first of all welcome back folks uh the big guy was down south with his beautiful wife uh at, at myrtle beach enjoying uh a midweek to weekend vacation he deserves it he works hard his wife deserves it much more than he does because she works harder and she puts up with him so uh glad she got some time off but true. good to have you back good to be back with our crew again but more than any other sport to me because what's going on and yes, it's even happening in the NBA uh, with the less burdensome work ethic in terms of practice. (laughs) But what we're seeing year after year in the NFL is less and less playing time, if at all, in the preseason, the practices are not nearly as lengthy. They're not as rigorous. There's not as much contact. And look, I look at what the coach of my favorite team, John Harbaugh, said after Dobbins got hurt um, and with this rash of injuries. He said, we have to find a way to get guys ready 
to play, basically saying that you know, four preseason games with no one playing is just not getting these guys ready for the regular season. You know, from a contact perspective, from an endurance perspective, you look at the injuries that are everywhere. But I, I think that other aspect of it is the football just isn't as good. And I really don't jump to any rash judgments like so many people do two games in, except in the instance where we have, where instances where we have teams that are off to poor or mediocre, mediocre is one-on-one, or poor starts and have been debilitated by injuries. Where do we go? We go right to Cincinnati. 0-2, yes, they started 0-2 last year, but 0-2 in the division, losses to Cleveland, lost a home game to my Ravens last week. With Joe Burrow, a question mark. Not just for this week, but for really the future of the season. Because again, it's the, the injury that I just despise. The calf. Coming back too soon from the calf. To me, the calf, again, we know I am nothing resembling a doctor. I just go by what I see with professional athletes. And how many times have we seen the calf, Kevin Durant, lead to the Achilles? And that's the biggest fear. Remember, Joe Burrow had the calf injury. At least he, he was wearing the support on the calf in practice in preseason. Aaron Rodgers, first thing he did in practice, came up with a sore calf. First game, boom, torn Achilles. More and more in the NFL, we're losing guys, not just for games, but for seasons. Guys who are ratings, guys who are megastars, guys who get huge salaries, and guys who are the heart and soul of their teams. The Jets have already lost veteran Hall of Fame quarterback a couple plays into the season. Their season could be lost. By many, it is. Those who have no trust at all in Zach Wilson, I understand why. I'm still willing to give him a chance, even though he looked horrendous against Dallas. But it is Dallas. They have a terrific defense. And the offensive line looked horrendous. And I thought the play calling was moronic. Run the ball. But more importantly, the guy that they worked so hard to get and were so excited to have and were so excited to be here. It's already done. The Cowboys lose today in practice. One of their two most important defensive players, maybe, off a great defense. You know, young Mr. Diggs, the shutdown corner, he goes down with an injury, a non-contact injury in practice. In practice. And he's done. That's a mammoth loss for that defense. Everywhere you look. And obviously, you know, Nick Chubb goes down with a brutal injury, a, 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 just a gut-wrenching injury. He couldn't even, they didn't even air the replay. Now, this is a kid who's one of the two or three best running backs in football, had that knee injured at Georgia, rebuilt, reconstructed after you know, tearing the ACL. And just a, a dreadful, awful destruction of the same name in the game this past weekend. Uh, excuse me, excuse me. Uh, the Monday, the one of the two Monday night games against Pittsburgh, and it drops them to one and one. Now, 
Is it like losing your quarterback? No, but more important, their quarterbacks, Sean Watson, just uh, is, is stealing money. But that's a massive loss. And for the player, I mean, it's brutal. And his, his career could be over. And we're seeing it. And you know, maybe it's because I'm... I have always said the thing that bothers me most about the NFL is the injuries that come so early, many in the preseason, then in the offseason that are so debilitating. You have a shorter season, but you lose guys, they're nicked up for four, five, six weeks. Pectoral muscle in preseason, done for the year. How many times we hear that one? Torn back, out for the season. Lifting weights, torn back, out for the season. Non-contact injury. Out for the season. It, and again, it's the shortest career. It's for the con- the contracts that unless you get the signing bonus or the big guarantee, the value of the contract over the life of it is not fully guaranteed. Unlike, obviously, you know, Major League Baseball and the NBA, and they have the highest risk of injury, and they go down at the blink of an eye, and they don't come back. And it is brutal for a team season to lose a guy that quickly, that early, who's so important to your team. In terms of what I've seen, my Ravens have already been hurt by injuries. J.K. Dobbins down. Ronnie Stanley and Lindebaum, they'll be back, but out this week, along with Marcus Williams against uh, Cincinnati, probably out again this week against the Colts, but they played a great game last week. They look strong. They look deep. Dallas obviously looks terrific. That injury will hurt them. San Francisco, despite the fact that you know, they've got Mr. Relevant, a quarterback, they look terrific, although they're struggling with it against the Giants. They're winning, but you know, they're, they're, after two really good outings, uh, they are struggling tonight. And then you look around the rest of the league. Philly's 2-0. They haven't been dominant, but you know, again, it's two games. Teams aren't even into the rhythm of the season yet. Lamar Jackson didn't play a preseason game. It's an entire new offense. It's a new offensive coordinator, new receivers. They mesh a lot better in game two. Is there a sign of things to come? I would think it's only going to get better. But you have to give, with the minimal amount of preseason snaps that so many of these players are taking, and especially the highbrow players, especially you know the big-time players, the stars, you don't want to get hurt. With a limited number of reps that they're getting, I really think, you know, until you get to game five or six, you really don't know what you have. I mean, I used to say about Major League Baseball, get me to, through June, in the hunt. In the NFL, I say, you know, get me through six games, relatively healthy and in the mix. Give me, give me the three and three, all right, healthy, and and I'll go from there. Two and four, a little tougher. One and five, I, I need you know a massive turnaround. But if you get through that first stretch of games, and you get through it relatively healthy, where you can find your rhythm, and your guys get a sense of where they fit, and whatever new schemes have been put in, you've had coaching changes, whatever the case may be, personnel changes where you're starting to function as a unit on both sides of the ball. And you see it. And, and I hate to use, keep using the Ravens as an example, but it, it's my team, so I know it. Last year, the beginning of the season, 
Mike McDonald was the new offensive coordinator, and their defense was horrendous. Remember all the comebacks they gave up, the huge chunks of yards against the Dolphins, against the Bengals, et cetera. And as time went on, and McDonald, who had come from Michigan, started to uh, get his system in place, which was much different than with Martindale's, that defense got better and better and better and better, and it's off to a terrific start. I understand the first one against Houston. But for three quarters, they completely shut down Cincinnati. So it, it takes time. You know, it's, it's not six, seven, eight, 12, 10 guys. You know, you've got a massive amount of guys to deal with, offensive, defensive units, and special teams. So I'm much more patient. It's part of being the old report. I refuse to do knee-jerk reactions. You know, do certain guys, do I think certain guys stink? Yes. But there is room to get better. Um, their guys have been a huge disappointment to me so far. And on the Justin Fields bandwagon, he's let me down again. You know, two mediocre weeks at best. They're all in two. Um, you know, Russell Wilson, no offense, hasn't let me down. So I think his best years are behind him. But you know, they basically were just gave a game away last week that they were in complete control of. And as always, as usual, you know, the L.A. don't call me San Diego Chargers. Just every week, Brandon Staley yeah. would, his, his all-world quarterback finds a way, a defensive-minded coach finds a way to lose a game. And that just seems to be – now, they win a lot of close games. But for people who don't realize it, you, know, you look at last year, I, I believe seven of the games they won by, were by five points or less. So the Chargers play a ton of close games, but it just seems they always lose the most Their game plan is usually – Justin Herbert needs to save us at the end of the game now because the defense hasn't and Brandon Staley hasn't. Not necessarily the greatest way to go about an end of game. Sometimes he's successful. The first two games he hasn't been. Man. So, you know, in, in terms of tendencies, you know, there's really not a lot there for me yet. Um, what's a better example than the New York Giants? They look like the worst team in the history of the sport for the first six quarters of their season. Outscored 60 to nothing. 60 to nothing. And they come back and, and they win the set. Grants against the Hades Cardinals, but still they came back and win. And tonight they're competing against the Niners, who many people think are one of the three or four best teams in the league. So, you know, all I know is what I don't know, and it's plenty. As long as this doesn't impact the bottom line, the NFL is not going to care about it, and it certainly hasn't. Right. Everybody's watching these games. Everybody's buying the Sunday ticket. Everybody's watching Red Zone. NFL games week to week are the highest rated TV shows. I don't know why they're they're in that category as TV show, but they are. And that and when they're in the car the and when they're in the car on Sunday, you know what they're listening to? The Sunday Drive. The Sunday Drive. With the great Steve Torian Bill Lackis. Get some pizza after the first <laughs> one o'clock games. You're in business for the rest of the night. Absolutely. Steve Torrey, Steve Torrey, friend of the program. Of course. <laughs> what frustrates casual fans and even older, middle-aged, maybe even younger than that fans is, I think, a couple of different things. One of them has to do with fantasy football. Every time you see your favorite player, now you want him to get the ball to score, get points, especially if you have a team's quarterback. You may have not got the best one. You need points. Why aren't we scoring? We want offense. Just in general, fantasy football aside, we want offense. And now that the league has 
tailored most of its rules toward offensive play. It's frustrating to see several teams not be able to figure it out or not want to go above and beyond to figure it out. They're just fine running their game plan, winning football games. 49ers are almost a good example of that now playing on Thursday night. They got Brock Purdy as quarterback. He's made some incredibly ugly throws tonight, but they're slowing it down, hand it to one of the best running backs in the country. Get it into a playmaker's hands at wide receiver from four or five yards away. You don't have to throw it 30 yards down the field. Let's run clock. Let's be ourselves. Kyle Shanahan, take over the game. It's great to get the win for 49ers fans, but for fans watching the game, you're yelling at the TV to do something. Again, that's not going to matter if people are still watching the games. The NFL's not going to care. But you're getting that sentiment just because football's changed from 10 years ago. There's a whole new slew of quarterbacks coming into the league now, and teams aren't waiting anymore. They're drafting guys high, and they're throwing them into the fire. So we have to watch that football be played. You've got C.J. Stroud, Desmond Ritter, Kenny Pickett, Justin Fields a little bit still. These guys are out there starting for their teams. Jordan Love's having his first opportunity to show that he can be a Green Bay Packers starting quarterback. Mac Jones still has a job. Bryce Young already getting benched. I'm, I'm, for already hurt. Andy Dolan getting hurt two games into the season. I can't blame teams for taking a risk on these dudes because we know you need a quarterback to be successful in the National Football League. There's just unfortunately not a lot of them that can do it. So you have to find your guy. Quick, hurry. And it doesn't always work that way. So us as fans are forced to watch a guy try to figure out how to play in the National Football League, not the easiest thing in the world. Forget about what you did in college. And a team has to figure out what that guy's going to look like in the National Football League sooner rather than later. Because if they don't got their guy, they got to go out and find the next one. That's kind of where we're at now is there's not the luxury of you happen to have a Hall of Fame quarterback that you found and developed and he's sticking with your team for the rest of his career, great. You might be lucky enough to have that guy develop after being on your team for a couple of years with no pressure from him to have to do anything soon, great. You could learn from an older veteran quarterback for a couple of years and still go 9-7 and seven and make the playoffs. See if you could battle through the wild card and somehow get lucky for a couple of games. You're not walking into 9-7 and seven seasons anymore. One, because there's one more game, but you know what I mean. That's not just the norm. If you have an okay quarterback, you can think, well, we'll get to 500 or we'll get to a game above it. We'll get into the postseason, and then we'll see what happens. Now it's, hey, you got to be great because there's still a handful of great dudes that are playing in this league. So there's frustration not seeing immediate success, no question. Although people should side more with you along the lines of, Seasons aren't necessarily over after two games. Now, the stats aren't great. History's not great. Not necessarily on your side. But I agree with you. Three and three, somewhere around there, it's going to take time. And we heard so many college coaches already say the same thing through three games over there. Guys aren't tackling people. They don't have preseason games. We don't want to see teams now play Kent State to open the season and run 70 up on them because it looks ugly, and it's not fun to watch a beatdown. 
we want to see some matchups that are coming up, say, in week four, where we're getting the most ranked matchups since 2006, I believe. It's going to be must-see TV all day long. Great. But teams, understandably so, want those gimmies so their guys get used to tackling, get used to the offense, get used to playing football. Because if you get thrown into the fire in week two, Texas and Alabama is great on paper. I'm sure both coaches aren't too pleased. They got to play that week too, especially whoever ends up losing the game. So I can understand where there's this narrative of disappointment and come on, unrest. Let's go. We need something. We want it right away. Fantasy football. Unfortunately, we just got to wait sometimes. That's kind of where we're at the NFL season where let's not sound the alarms for the most part. That's one of the big reasons that, I don't play fantasy football. I did it for one season. I didn't find it that enjoyable because it was totally different than rotisserie baseball because rotisserie baseball, you didn't play other teams. You didn't have games. It was just your guy's stats compiled against everybody else's stats. Now it still had that. It still had that aspect to it when, you know, the numbers are coming along the bottom on the ticker and you're watching ESPN and all, all you're thinking about is your guys. You're not thinking about your team. Uh, you know, how's my guy doing tonight? How's my guy pitching tonight? What's my guy doing in this game? What's my guy doing in that game? But you're watching stats from all over and you're not playing anyone else because it's just a compilation of the statistics of your players that are on your team against everybody else's statistics in the standings on a seasonal basis. It's not a week to week thing. But yes, you could make trades just like you know real baseball. And you had certain guys you protected. And you had contracts. It was it was pretty cool. But even that aspect of it, you know, I found frustrating at times because I was getting away from you know, rooting for my rooting for the Cardinals and only caring about what was going on, you know, with the players that I had on my roster. And I can't even begin to imagine how that is. You know, it would be like a hundredfold now you know, when you're playing against other teams on a weekly basis and the guys on your team have absolutely nothing to do with your own team that you root for. And I just, the, the one season I did play it, I, I just didn't enjoy the notion of, and the other aspect of it is, you know, again, it was, it was weekly. Right. Whereas with history baseball was every night, literally every night. You know, there, there were no off nights in the season because you had somebody on your team playing somewhere. Which yeah. is the struggle for fantasy, Al, because you spent all this time going into the draft. Who am I getting late? Sleepers, blah, blah, blah. You, get, you have a little injury problems throughout the season, no question. You might finish 16 wins. Well, that's too many. 14 wins. You get to the playoffs. It's a luck crapshoot. Depending on how those guys are in real life, you could put in – 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and building your team, picking up the right players, doesn't matter at the end. All you need is for one guy to get lucky. You know, somebody vultures two or three touchdowns in a game all of a sudden. That's it. You're done. You wasted all year for that. That's also the frustrating part of it, is even you could put in all the work you want and not get rewarded at the end, whereas what you were playing, at least every night, it counts. You're going for top scores, the whole season matters. This is just a flip of a coin week by week, pretty much. It's rough. And and it's become obviously you know, such a massive billion-dollar industry uh, that 
it's run wild where it's all really anybody cares about their teams. The teams that they root for are secondary. Exactly. Were the Cowboys, or should I say, to close up shop on the NFL, are the Cowboys, even with the injury to Trayvon Diggs, your best team through two weeks? Uh, wait, 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 yeah, wait. Way too early to tell. Well, but in, in, either the best team through the first two weeks. Uh, I, I guess because they had two dominant, two completely dominant efforts against, you know, a, a playoff team from last year and the Giants, who we thought was looked like one of the first te- worst teams we've ever seen, as I said, for the first six quarters of this season. and But then we'll bounce back. And a dominant performance against a Jet team that beat the Bills uh, without Aaron Rodgers. And looked awful on offense and really on defense too uh, in Dallas. So in terms of how well they've played, okay, after two weeks, they're the team that's played the best two games so far. Right. Yes. Does it make them the best team? I mean, come on. It's, it's two weeks in. They just lost their star cornerback. Uh, and we, we, we've heard year after year after year after year about Dallas, you know, Dak and Dallas, Dallas and Dak, Dak and Dallas. Uh, you know, a lot of pressure on him this year. That's for sure. But I don't, you know, Dak, Dak Prescott to me, again, is a, you know, above average quarterback. You can win a Super Bowl with above average quarterback. We know it. We've talked about it. Ad infinitum. Is, is Dak Prescott a good enough quarterback to win a Super Bowl? Absolutely. Is he a terrific quarterback? No. He's a pretty good NFL quarterback. He's a fringe top 10 quarterback. And probably closer than he has been in the past because some guys are eroding. Some guys are getting older. Some guys aren't as good as they were. There's some young guys that you thought were that great aren't playing that great. So he's probably a little higher than he has been in the past. But we know he's not in that upper echelon, but he's won two games. And some guys in that upper echelon you know, have won one or none. So, so far, so good. Right. But this is all part of the Jerry Jones syndrome. We don't know what's going to happen because how many times have we seen the Dallas Cowboys with Jerry Jones at the helm in these last you know 20 years just – wind up being a massive disappointment when they were incredibly hyped and everybody thought they were going to be terrific. And for various reasons, whether it be injuries, whether it be subpar performances, whether it be coaching gaffes, whatever the case may be, fall apart. Now, I first one, not the first one, but absolutely love what I have seen from them so far on all fronts. They've run it. They've thrown it. Their defense has been terrific. McCarthy has taken a much more active role. Obviously, they let their offensive coordinator go, and McCarthy has taken over the play call. And I've always thought McCarthy was a great play caller. I think it's what he does best. And I think he's at his best when he's focused on that. And I, I don't think you're going to see nearly as many as, as of the snafus, uh, mostly clock management. <laughs> Mike McCarthy is, is – is, so heavily criticized for when he is more into the game from a play calling scenario. We'll see if that's the case. Just my own personal opinion. I'll give you a couple quick 
maybe surprises or at least bullet points just quickly scrolling up the schedule from the bottom. Surprisingly, as much as we rip the NFC South and rightly so, how about three teams starting to know? Exactly. Exactly. Well, it, you know, it, Atlanta was probably my surprise team. Uh, John Robinson anybody, looks great. No it, surprise. We know, we, we, exactly. And Ritter is, I, I don't love him, but I like him. Yeah. I agree with I, that. I, I like the personality. I like the mindset. I think he's a leader. He's, you know, he's got a chance to be a, a middling quarterback. And I didn't know if he had the chance to be that. And the way they're built with their roster and the way their coach coaches, he loves to run the football. He's got himself, you know, a, a, what looks like an absolute star in the making everybody loved him and there wasn't anybody who didn't rave about this kid you know going into the draft not just going into the draft but when he was in college and going into the draft and coming out of the draft and so far so good he's lived up to expectations they put him in position to succeed they're not overworking him he's getting his opportunities they've got weapons uh they're well coached that division is up for grabs. New Orleans 2-0. Uh, obviously, pretty weak schedule to start. But Sway and Sway in Tampa Bay. I mean, look who's back. Man. Okay, the gunsling, the gunslinger. Well, speaking of gunslingers, how about three 2-0 teams in the NFC East? You'd expect the Cowboys and the Eagles. Sam Howell, gunslinging like crazy against my Denver Broncos last week for 38 points. Woo! For 37 points, whatever it was. Just throw it up, man. Let's go. Three two and o teams in the East. Three two and o teams in the South. Which, you know, as you said, we figured it's going to be the worst division in football. And um, the the North, you know, zero and two, one and one, one and one. Um, Detroit loses a bad game at home. Chicago can't get out of their own way. Vikings have been surprising. The way the Packers uh, could have been easily been two and zero, and you know got beat late against those Falcons, and uh, Pete Carroll pulls a rabbit out of the hat, <laughs> uh, and, and you know, doing his best as usual cheerleader routine on the sidelines. Uh, the Rams won one. I didn't think they were going to win and competed much better than I didn't think that, that they would do in game two. So I'm not quite sure. I still don't think they're going to be very good. That remains to be seen. And, you know, obviously Arizona stinks. No surprise there. And uh, AFC, you know, we've got the injuries. And, uh, you know, you talked about Dallas and the NFC. Everybody's talking about Miami and the AFC. Right. Can they keep two healthy? We know they can score. Uh, how good is that defense going to be? That's going to be obviously crucial for them because their defense has been very good so far. And, you know, they brought in the stud coordinator. And as I said before, like we talked about, it takes a while to get your system in place. And his system, you know, he was your coach. His system is not real easy to comprehend and to put into place. Sometimes, you know, it takes longer uh, for the players to get accustomed to it. And like the Ravens last year, if they ever get their defense rolling, because they said, no, you know, 
the guy who I think is the most overrated cornerback maybe ever is out for at least the first half of the season until he comes back. Uh, when he comes back, if he's 100%, that'll be a huge addition. But that defense is going to have to get a lot better, and I'm sure it will get better. How much better will it get? Only two games in, we'll see. But if they can ever come close to matching their defense up to their offense or even close, the Dolphins are going to be pretty strong, pretty strong, certainly a playoff team. Uh, And the Bills, you know, I mean, enough with the instant reaction demise of Josh Allen. How long did that last? Lasted as long as it took for the Raiders to make the the trip across the country for a one o'clock start. He's not great for blood pressure in Buffalo. We'll just put it that way. Between the wings and the beer you're already consuming for the games, then you have to watch some of what he does. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. It's not great for the heart. No, look, he he played as bad a game as he'll ever play in the opener against the Jets. He, He, you know, obviously team sport, quarterback gets more of the credit than he should, quarterback gets more of the blame than he should. But he literally gave the game away. He literally handed the game to the Jets. If he just took care of the football, they win that game by a couple touchdowns. For the most part, though, what we're trying to tell you all, fans of whatever team, for the most part, after two games, you don't have to set the panic alarms off yet. For the most part. Even though you're doing it. Even though you're doing it. There are exceptions, sadly. But for the most part, we still got time to see how things are going to play out in the next couple weeks. Now, after four weeks, we'll get back to you. (laughs) Maybe it's time to ring some bells or lower some flags to half-mast. The the other thing you said is you've got so many young quarterbacks. And (laughs) how many times have we talked about the fact it's hard to be great all the time? It's hard to be good all the time. Right. Especially when you're inexperienced. Like you said, these guys didn't used to play until the third or fourth year in the league. But now with the five-year contracts, they're putting them out there, throwing them into the fire, and you you could be terrific one week and bad the next week. You could be mediocre, you could be below average, and you could be above average. It's going to be a roller coaster for the young guys. And there's lots of them. So it's very tough to figure in terms of you know where you are in the realm of the competition and can you count on a team to be consistent again i go back to my team i think i can i can harken back now to the fact that with the number of years he's got under his belt even though he's still young but he's got enough experience that i think lamar, lamar jackson will have some stinkers he'll have some games where you know, he, he makes that bad mistake. But I think now with the contract, with the health, with the new offensive coordinator, with the new weapons, I think, think, don't know for sure, but I think there's a real chance you're going to see a more consistent Lamar Jackson. I don't think you will see a spectacular Lamar Jackson because the purpose is not to be spectacular. The purpose is to be consistent. You don't have to be spectacular to win because you can be spectacular one week and spectacularly bad the next week. 
because of the risks that are taken and the high wire act that you're going to play. But if you can take care of the football and be consistent and at times, you know, Lamar Jackson, the type of player that can have a spectacular 10 yard scramble for a first down. Those are huge plays because they keep drives alive and they don't have to be 69 yard runs. They can be nine yard runs and get out of bounds. Those are plays that can be game deciding. And those are spectacular in the time frame and the setting down a distance of when they are made. And just as important sometimes is the 69 yard run. So I think you're going to see more of that and less of the breathtaking game breaking Lamar Jackson. Then you had beat writers for my Denver Broncos. Some of them are calling for them to tank after two games. Tank. <laughs> they lost by a point and they lost by two points. They're in the top five all time now in the record book for teams with like the best points per possession through the first two games that have lost both games. Okay, for those analytics, points Ugly. per possession. Ugly. Okay. Defense looks bad. But I'm not ready to tell Sean Payton, hey man. That's it. I I I have grown so tired in all sports of the time to tank mindset. Right. It's play. Right. It's play. You're going to tell players don't try. Really? Why do you play? When you were kids, why did you play? Did you keep score? We always kept score. We always wanted to win. Plus, you're not chained to these organizations. You might be on a one more year deal. It's, you got to show out for your next stop. It's supposed, it's supposed to be fun. We played because it was fun. Right? Right. I understand it's a business. And you're good. Of course, of, of course it's a business. But didn't you have more fun when you won? It's fun when you win, and it's fun when you're good. And if you've made it to the professional level, you're good. You might not be as good as some of the other guys around you, but you're good overall. That's exactly right. Let's tank after two games. What am I listening to? You shouldn't be after four games. We'll see what happens. You, sh- you shouldn't be listening to that because that is that's bullshit. We'll see after four games what we're feeling, but we'll have to go to Miami in week three. Not great, <clears throat> but we'll see. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. I wanted to hit on baseball before we get out of here quickly as well, before mentioning some college stuff at the end. But thankfully, in the college realm, most of the teams, uh, really all the top 10 teams that were in the AP poll last week came away unscathed. But there's going to be some exciting matchups there. There's a lot of excitement in the wildcard races. For those of you that haven't been paying attention, my goodness. Just to peel the curtain back for you, currently Amazing. as it stands, and this will change by the day. Tomorrow. <laughs> Baltimore, Houston, and Minnesota are your AL division leaders for the East, West, and Central. Closely followed behind the Tampa Bay Rays at 94 wins, trailing the Baltimore Orioles at 95 wins, battling for the division, mind you, while also for the wild card spot. Toronto. They've got a half-game lead over Seattle and Texas as they try to figure out how that's going to go. 
Yankees are seven and a half games back with nine of them to play. I don't think we're going to get there, Al. I think we're going to come up just a little bit short on that regard to be in the mix. In the NL, the Atlanta Braves, Los Angeles Dodgers, Milwaukee Brewers are your leaders in those three divisions. The Phillies are next best, followed closely behind the Arizona Diamondbacks, who have a two-game lead over the Chicago Cubs, the Miami Marlins, and two and a half games. Well, Cincinnati is a half game back of getting into that mix. San Francisco's two and a half back of getting in that mix. San Francisco's done. San Diego, four games back of getting into that mix. Don't think it'll happen for them. But it's we're coming wild. down to the wire here with these new well, the, wild card rules. It's going to be AL exciting. West is the wildest because you know you just mentioned the the wild cards, but the division is up for grabs amongst all three teams. I mean, they're virtually game game and half a party changes every day. You know, for a while there, it looked like Texas was a lock. Their pitching fell apart. Scherzer went down. Uh, Dallas Garcia went down, and then Seattle went on their run when. The pitching just went goofy, and you know, J-Rod just went nuts. Still has been, and it, from, from August on, he hit about 750. It just went crazy, and then slowly but surely, as we fade to black, along came the Astros, the defending champs. Ugh. They got had They're slowly but surely, they're getting healthy, and now they're back atop division with a razor's margin over the other two. And, you know, one of them is going to be, and it could be Houston, if they have a struggle the last 10 games, because they are neck and neck with Toronto over in the East, who is behind Tampa and fighting for, you know, one of the two remaining wildcard positions. Because obviously the Tampa Orioles loser, uh, which right now would be Tampa, uh, is in as the first wildcard. And then you've got two wildcards for three teams, Toronto. And the losers of the AL West. And we don't know who those two losers are going to be. You're looking at, I mean, an easy series coming up here for the Astros with the Royals, but then they have to go to Seattle. But they just, to lost the series to, to, they just lost the series to the A's. <laughs> Very true. Then they have to go to Arizona and play the Diamondbacks for three. So you're playing teams right there in the mix with you as well. Crazy at the end here. I actually think that's better for Houston. I, I think Houston kind of just sucked the life see. out of those two teams. Take I, at least I, two I, out I, of three. I, I, wouldn't be surprised. Look, yeah, Houston is obviously experienced pros to the defending champs. Nothing scares them. And also remember, they have been so much better on the road this year, shockingly, than they have been at home. But also remember, they lost the World Series a few years back where they lost all four home games. So, uh, the fact that they're going on the road is no big deal for them. You still have to like Houston. They've got the talent. They've got the pitching. They've got especially the bullpen. Uh, they've gotten healthy pretty much everywhere. Uh, you got the steady old hand of Dusty Baker. So if I got to pick anybody to win that division, I'm going to stick with Houston. After that, I have no idea. Toronto's been playing better, but they lost to the Yankees tonight. And Seattle uh, and Texas they have been gone through you know, very streaky. Uh, so I, I don't know which one, if you put a guy, Toronto has been terrible in the division, although they've been playing better lately. They got nothing from Guerrero. 
uh, I, I, I have no idea. I, I, Seattle's got the best pitching, and you always say you know you, you always favor the pitching, but you start to wonder if some of that young pitching is you know hitting a little bit of a wall. But then boom, they they came right back the last few games. Got another great outing from Castillo, good outing from Kirby. So uh, they could easily grab, they could win the division. You know, at least the NL, we've got the division set. And we're getting a little distance. The Giants are now out of it. Cincinnati's faded a little bit. So right now, right now, we've kind of got, you know, instead of five teams, you know, we've got, uh, you know, the Cubs, the Marlins and the D-backs kind of looks like, you know, we've got three teams for two spots as the, you know, the Reds have faded a little bit and the Giants have faded a lot. Uh, but the, the American League West, the American League Wild Cards is really wild. But you know, it, it's going to be a great fit. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Ohio State at Notre Dame. Can't wait. Definitely the game of the week. Can't wait. Six playing a nine. I will give you the other numbered games, and you tell me what else stands out for something we must watch. Colorado is at Oregon, of course, 19, shockingly, and a 10. Tickets, 82 bucks if you want to go. Still available. 22nd ranked UCLA is at 11th ranked Utah. 15th Old Miss at 13th Alabama. A little shocking there. What's happened to the Crimson Tide, although they supposedly have found their quarterback after benching the game. He's back again. again. We'll see. Oregon State, Washington State, a 14 21 matchup, the last of a historic matchup in Pac 12 play. We'll be getting a lot of those, unfortunately. Iowa's at Penn State at 24 7. And that wraps it up for the games of numbered teams. That's the latest. Well, I can tell you from the those matchups that there's one that stands out to be the most boring, and that will be Iowa Penn State. Surely. Take the under. The game that is obviously grab onto something is Ohio State Notre Dame. Right. Without a doubt. We rarely get to see them play each other. Number one. Four hundred and fifty three dollars tickets are going for a little bit different for that matchup. We have two new quarterbacks. So that's another interesting element of it. We're not quite sure what we've got with these teams, except that they're obviously big programs, highly ranked. And you know, we want to see where they are in the realm of things because you know, this is a transfer quarterback for Notre Dame who put up huge numbers where he was before and has put up huge numbers to start the season with Notre Dame. He might be the best quarterback they have had in a very, very, very long time. and. On the other end of the spectrum, we have no idea what we have at Ohio State. After the succession of NFL first-round picks, we now have a guy that we're not sure what he is. So that's an incredibly intriguing game. Look, you know, Coach Prime has put Colorado football on the map. They are a must-watch. They were a must-watch for everybody last week. However despite all the talk from Coach Prime saying they made it personal. They made it personal. They made it personal. They barely beat the Colorado State Rams at home. Now they take on Ducks, who love to run it up. Love to run it up. 
but struggled against Texas Tech. So my question to you is, you know, with all the hype that Oregon, or excuse me, that Colorado has been getting, Oregon known to like the light of the scoreboard. If they get a chance to really lay the lumber on Coach Prime, will they? Can you see them putting half a hundy on Colorado? I can. Now, it could still be a game. You know, it, it could be 52 to 49. But 21-point favorite last time I looked. Yeah, still there. That's a must-watch, uh, at least for the first half. Yeah, I can absolutely it, see it getting out of hand. If, if Oregon's good enough to make that happen, that still should be seen. Colorado's defense, not great. There are, no, this, this, it's, there's a difference between not great and awful. They're awful. Their defense is awful. So it's and, either going to be a shootout or an oh no is what we're banking on. But after what Dan Lanning said in the offseason about what's Colorado done, of course they asked him about it. Remember you said that? No, nah, no, I, Dion's fine. Of course. And it's also Oregon has the chance they're definitely going to do it because they know who's is, watching that game. This, yeah, well, the whole, you know, there's going to be a whole, uh, whole lot of the world watching. So Oregon should be prepared and they should be ready. And uh, they should be looking to put a whooping on Colorado. Because also, despite the fact that this is, you know, uh, what do you turn around, 60 guys on this team? You still have a lot of guys on this Colorado team who haven't played in this kind of game with this many people watching against this caliber competition. Um, so, in Oregon, you know, they're used to playing in these kind of games. And... As I said to Mr. T tonight, we were on the phone. The sad part of all of this is that the Pac-12 is loaded. There are a lot of really good, competitive, top 10, top 20 teams. It's the best year of the conference, balance-wise, from top to bottom in a very long time. And unfortunately, as we've discussed on this program, it's the last year of the conference as we know it. It could not have come at a worse time. This conference is going to end on the highest of notes in terms of the caliber of the competition and the depth. I mean, Arizona, Arizona State, and Stanford, you know, Cal, I guess, are your stinkers. But, you know, you got some really good teams. You have one team that potentially two compete for a national title. And then a lot of other really good teams. So it uh, it sucks that this is going to be it. And you know, if they had taken that thirty million dollar per team contract, we wouldn't even be talking about this. And as we wrap up, it is thirty to twelve, just before the two minute warning. The Giants are punting it back to the Forty ers They have surrendered. They took Daniel Jones out for this past series after he threw an interception that led to Brock Purdy just throwing one up into the end zone. Because why not? 60-something QBR rating, if you're into that sort of thing. His final numbers are about as ugly as you'd expect them to be. 137 yards, 22 for 32, the one pick, sacked twice. Brock Purdy, 25 for 37, 310, two touchdowns. Doesn't always look pretty. Has some nice numbers at the end of it. Christian McCaffrey, 85 yards and a touchdown. Debo Samuel, 130 and a touchdown. 49ers do what they do, and the Giants do what they've unfortunately, I guess, have become. Debo, Debo Samuel is a fantastic player. Absolutely fantastic. 
he is the kind of guy I would love to have on my team because he is the effort every time he touches the ball is spectacular. No matter where he is on the field, whether he's running it, whether he's catching it, whether it's down the field, whether it's a wide receiver screen, whether it's a, you know, a jet sweep, he is just, I, I mean, he's a load. He really just is. Get him the ball. I mean, he's one of those he, guys. Just get the ball into his hands. Throw he it two he yards makes ahead. Guys, get it in his he hands. makes guys miss. He runs through, over, around. He is some kind of player. Another abysmal performance for the New York Giants, and they'll get rewarded by hosting Seattle, eight fifteen on ABC next week. Then they get to go to Miami, and then they get to go to Buffalo. Good luck, <laughs> Jesus. The victory tour for Dable and what he's done for the team is slowly coming back to the station. Well, if look with that schedule, you know, is two and four that bad? I guess not. You're more looking for the guy that you just overpaid for to throw for more than 200 yards, probably. I understand. The, trouble. the bright side is you only overpaid him for a couple of years. Yeah, I guess that's true, too. And as we said, I mean, hard to come by finding people that could throw a football. So there could be worse options. Maybe. He says hesitantly. Maybe. <laughs> Hell, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Folks, for my partner, the great John Tiny on IML Renato AKL from White Plains. We got a massive weekend coming up, you know, in college football. Stay inside on Saturday. It's gonna be brutal. It's gonna be pouring rain in this neck of the woods. So stay by the TV, enjoy the football, and have a great sports weekend, everybody. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.